Welcome back, guys. This is Sam. And this is Corrine, and we are two Onk Docs. Today's episode is focusing on what you need to know regarding MDS. This will inc- include the high-yield facts on risk factors, diagnostic workup, staging, and treatment of MDS. Terrific. So I know that we recently discussed how AML and APL present, but how does MDS generally present? So MDS is a blood cancer with ineffective hematopoiesis, and it will often present with symptoms of cytopenias, such as fatigue and constitutional symptoms, such as fevers and chills. And 90% of MDS are de novo, and 10% are related to either an underlying bone marrow disorder or previous cancer treatment. And that can be either chemotherapy or radiation. Definitely. What things are important to rule out and diagnose MDS? So there's a whole slew of labs that you can order when you're trying to work up, you know, a new anemia or thrombocytopenia, but some of the high testable features are nutritional deficiencies. So make sure you check for B12, folate, and iron. And they especially like to trick you with copper deficiency because copper deficiency, when you do a bone marrow biopsy, you can often actually see dysplasia on the bone marrow. And then when you do a bone marrow biopsy to diagnose MDS, you can see a hypercellular marrow with dysplasia, and there can be hypo-segmented neutrophils known as pseudopelgar cells. I think this is really high yield because MDS truly is a diagnosis of exclusion. I know I had one consultation for MDS, and I think it was actually for a bone marrow transplant for the MDS, and it ended up being B12 deficiency. So make sure you send these off, and if you're in the vignette, um, make sure that they've checked these because they are tricky things that you can easily miss. So when MDS is diagnosed, what are some treatment considerations? So first you want to see how significant are the cytopenias and are they transfusion dependent? And then you also want to assess their risk score in terms of cytogenetics and molecular markers. Well, you have just enticed me. I want to hear more about these risk scores for MDS. So there's the IPSS and the revised IPSS. And depending on what category you fall into, it significantly predicts overall survival as it relates to MDS. And so the good cytogenetics to remember are chromosome 5, 11, 12, and 20. And the poor cytogenetics are chromosome 3 and 7. And then if you have multiple abnormalities. So if there's a vignette and they list a bunch of abnormalities in a row, just remember that that's bad. And then in terms of cytopenias, good features are if you have a hemoglobin more than 10, platelets more than 100, ANC more than 0.8, and BLAST less than 2%. And bad features are if you have a platelet less than 50, ANC less than 0.8, hemoglobin less than 8, and BLAST more than 5 to 10%. So, you know, there's various points assigned to which category you fall into for these. I didn't actually measure all of the point system, but I think it's just useful to remember in general what's good and then what's very bad. And then they're generally going to ask you questions on that. And then you're going to have to sort out what category they are and decide on the treatment. Agreed. I also did not memorize the exact point allocations for each of these markers, but I just had a general gestalt on if the cytopenia is so platelet less than 50, I mean, that's getting down there. ANC less than 0.8. Okay. We're getting near neutropenia, hemoglobin less than eight. I'm thinking about transfusion and higher blasts recruiting towards that acute myeloid leukemia. Um, so I, I generally just had a good gestalt on, is it okay or is it bad? So what molecular markers portray a good or poor prognosis in MDS? So this is fairly simple to remember because there's only one 
good risk molecular marker, and that's SFB31. And that is associated with ring sideroblasts. And I'll mention in a minute what special treatment is associated with this mutation. And then everything else is intermediate or poor. So that includes TP53, EZL12, ETV6, RONX1, ASLX1. You may recognize some of these from AML poor risk criteria. Definitely. I think having one good risk um, molecular marker is very beneficial for MDS. So commit the SFB31 to memory and the ring cytoroblast. They could even just show you a picture of a ring cytoroblast. They could ask what molecular marker is this correlative with, um, or they could give you both and ask you what the treatment option is specific to this. So do all MDS patients require treatment? So no. So if you have good or very good features, some patients can be observed. And so those will be the patients with less than 2% blast, hemoglobin more than 10, platelets more than 50, ANC more than 0.8, and then the good cytogenetics. So the five, the 11, the 12, the 20. I remember in the ASH review, um, this was actually one of the questions. And I think it might've actually been a question on our actual boards as well. So remember, you know, if they fall into all these categories, you don't actually need to treat them right away. Yeah, definitely. There are not many times in oncology that we observe things. And so the boards will love to make sure that you know when you are able to observe. So anytime that observation is is an answer, especially in this MDS with the good criteria, you should commit those to memory because it's, it's highly testable. For low intermediate risk MDS, what are our treatment options? So we have erythroid stimulating agents, and so that's either erythropoietin or darbopoietin. And erythropoietin is dosed at 40,000 to 60,000 units once, twice a week, subcutaneously, or darbopoietin, 150 to 300 micrograms every other week subcutaneously. And very important to remember, this is indicated if your EPO level is less than 500. So they had this question actually on the ASH review. So if your EPO is more than 500, you're not going to give erythropoietin or darbopoietin. And then, as I mentioned, the SFB31 has a special treatment, um, Luspatercept, which was approved by the FDA in 2020, and it has the highest response in those with a high number of ring sideroplasts, so more than 15%, or those with the SFB31 mutation with 5% ring sideroblasts. And then finally, for your low intermediate risk MDS that are 5Q deleted, remember that lenalidomide is the treatment of choice. Definitely. I think that having the EPO cut off with 500 makes sense when you think of the mechanism of action. If the EPO is already greater than 500, the person's body is already trying to stimulate the marrow. So further stimulating the EPO, it's just not going to work. It's a marrow failure. For the 5Q deletion, I definitely had that with the treating with lenalidomide written on my cheat sheet for the day before the boards because I thought that was very testable and something that I could commit to memory quickly in a last minute scenario. For intermediate two to high grade or high risk MDS, what are our treatment options? So remember that those patients are going to be the ones with significant cytopenias that may be requiring transfusions and that have the poor cytogenetics. And the treatment of choice for those is hypomethylating agents in the form of azacytidine or decitabine. Azacytidine is actually the treatment of choice over decitabine and has level one evidence, and it's dosed at seven days on every four weeks. 
Um, and then there's also an oral option, um, which is oral decidabine with cetazuridine. And that may be an option for someone that is unable or doesn't want to come, you know, for seven days of the month. Um, cause you're going to give azacitidine for at least six cycles. So that is, you know, a significant commitment mm -hmm, to come in and out, especially if you don't live close by to the infusion center. And then high risk patients that don't have any contraindications can also be considered for an allogeneic stem cell transplant upfront. And then one pearl to note is for hypoplastic MDS, you can treat those patients like the treatment for a plastic anemia, which is ATG with cyclosporine. And then finally, another pearl is for patients with a history of many transfusions. So if patients have a history of 20 to 30 blood transfusions, they may have iron overload. And if their ferritin is more than 2,500, you're going to consider iron chelation with deferoxamine or deferacerox to reduce the ferritin to less than a thousand. And then just remember that those iron chelators are contraindicated if you have some renal dysfunction with a creatinine clearance under 40. And then generally you don't need prophylactic antibiotics in MDS, even if they're neutropenic, unless you have a history of recurrent infections. These were great. I think you hit every high yield point. Um, definitely everything I knew about MDS walking into the boards. So what are our take-home points for MDS? So remember the good risk features. So hemoglobin more than 10, platelets more than 100, ANC more than 0.8, and BLAST less than 2%. Remember the good cytogenetics, so 5, 11, 12, and 20. And those will be treated if indicated for treatment with erythroid stimulating agents like erythropoietin or darbopoietin, if the EPO is less than 500. For the SFB31 with ring sideroblasts, remember the loose batter treatment option. And then for the 5Q deleted, remember lenalidomide. And then for the high-risk patients, so those with platelets less than 50, ANC less than 0.8, hemoglobin less than 8, blast more than 5 to 10%, and multiple cytogenetic abnormalities or abnormalities in chromosome 3 or 7, as the cytidine is the agent of choice, you can also consider oral decitabine with cetazuridine. And then if they are a candidate, you can also consider upfront allogeneic stem cell transplant. This is awesome overview. Everyone should commit this to memory the day before they walk into their oncology boards and their hematology boards because malignant heme is on both. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thank you for tuning in every week to new episodes. And please feel free to reach out to us with corrections, comments, or suggestions on topics you want heard on our Instagram to OncDocs. Thanks for listening.